pose this question to you to entertain are you a taker or are you a giver think about it when it comes to the way you do life not only here at church but just at work in your family wherever do the math do you add do you subtract do you multiply or do you divide it's a great question right what do I bring to the dance? When you walk in a room, what do you do to the climate of the room? When people see you coming, are they smiling or are they frowning? You've got those people in your life. There's some people that walk into your room and you're like, oh, Lord. They're bricks. B, that's the word brick. They're not kites. They weigh you down. They don't fly. There's people that walk into your life and they add energy to it. And you go, man, I enjoy being with them. There's certain people that walk in and they subtract. They subtract from the energy. They subtract from momentum. And you go, I tolerate being around them. There, there's some people when you meet them, you're like, man, they just multiply their influence in a room. And, and you know as well as I do, you, you know, coaches, you look at those kind of kids on the football team. You've got some that add, some that subtract, but you, you get somebody that comes in that multiplies and you're like, wow, does he add incredible value. And you value being around that person. And you've got some people that divide. They're just divisive. And you avoid them at all costs, right? So you've got to really start to look going, what type of person am I? God inspires us to add and multiply. God inspires us to be a part of adding value and multiplying value and influence and energy and his word and his wisdom wherever we go. So here would be the question. Are you a contributor or are you a consumer? Do you contribute or do you consume? Now, we live in a society that is a get more, spend more society. When you look around us, you would have to realize and recognize, man, this, this, this world in which we live, it encourages us to get more, yet spend more. So, so the society that we live in really promotes a consumer mindset. It's all about you. It's all about what you can get. It's all about what you can have. I was looking at stats based on this consumer mindset. Last year, Americans spent $96 billion on beer. $96 billion, that's a real number. $34.6 billion was spent on gambling. That didn't factor in the Mayweather-McGregor fight last night. They know telling how much money was spent on pay-per-view and that nonsense, right? 
I mean, I had someone come up to me first thing this morning and say, did you watch the fight? I'm like, I was in bed at 9.30. I turned on my phone and it said Mayweather TKO 10th round. I saw all I wanted to see and it didn't cost me any sleep and any money. Americans spent $11 billion last year just on coffee. Coffee. How many of you spend at least $2 a week on a cup of coffee? Raise your hand. You're contributing to that number. Schmeicher, you spend about $40 a week on coffee, right? Soft drinks. Barb was telling the, uh, our staff last night, she's like, here I am, 53 years old. I have never drank an entire soft drink in my life. I've only had a few sips of them in my life. Soft drinks, Americans spend $65 billion a year just on soft drinks. One of the ladies on staff, I won't call her name, Linda, she drinks. <laughs> this is no lie. This is no lie. Linda drinks a 12-pack of Diet Coke every day. I went into her office here recently, and I took her case of Diet Coke, and I hid them because I knew she would blame Joe and not me when she couldn't <laughs> find them. $2.3 billion a year spent on tattoos. You're looking good with your new one today. <laughs> $14 billion a year is spent on pornography. $17 billion is spent on video games. $18 billion is spent on credit card late fees. How about that number right there? How about even... That number right there, how, how about if the body of Christ eliminated that number and started giving toward missions and different outreach instead of giving credit card companies money, how would that change? Child care, $47 billion. Lawn care, lawn care, $40 billion. I read that and I'm like, oh, Americans love to spend money for grass and weed. And, and a lot of people would say, no, no, that's pot. No, we're not talking about pot. We're not talking about Mary Jane. We're not talking about getting high. We're talking about how much money we spend just on our plants and flowers. And I'm like, that's a crazy number. So we live in this society that's a get more, spend more. But what about if the church bought into a biblical paradigm that said get more, give more? What if the church bought into the mindset that you were to be a flowing stream that when God poured in you, it was to pour through you, not to pour in you so that he could just pour to you? What, what about if we became living channels of the grace of God and the blessings of God that just flowed freely so that we could be a blessing to our world? Now, the Bible never says it's wrong to have money and wealth. Never. The Bible never says it's wrong to have money and wealth and any possessions. The Bible repeatedly says that it's wrong for money and wealth to have you. The Bible repeatedly says that it's wrong for anything in this stuff realm to have a grip on you that it starts con controlling the way you do life. When it comes to money and wealth and whatever acquisitions, the key is what is your attitude toward it? 
I remember after I came to faith in Christ that I remember reading a biography of a, a former baseball player, a major league pitcher, and he made that statement, oh, he said, for all those years, I thought I was gripping a baseball. When looking back now, reality is baseball was gripping me. What occupies the throne? What is the center of your affection? Now, here's what I want you to hear. When you know who you are, you have nothing to prove and nothing to lose. When, when you truly know who you are and your identity is established and rooted in Christ, you have nothing to prove and nothing to lose. Then you're free to serve. You're free to serve. You're free to love. You're free to give. You're really free to truly live. And, and God is all about bringing about life. I made the observation a few weeks ago, don't miss it, that the mission statement of hell is kill, steal, and destroy. The mission of Jesus is, I give life abundantly. And so God is wanting to usher us into life. And God has called us as believers and followers of Christ to live a generous life. I believe generosity is the greatest apologetic that an evangelical has to the lost world in which we live. Apologetic is a form of uh, proclamation of the gospel, if you will. It's a theological kind of a term, but it means to declare your faith, to share your faith with the world. The greatest apologetic that the church has with the world is how generous it is. How generous do you live? And let, let me say this to you. When you honor God with your wealth, I want to give you two things to think about. When you start to honor God with your wealth, materialism, money, whatever, you will live a blessed life. You, you will live a blessed life. The proverb, chapter 3, 9 and 10 says this, honor the Lord from your wealth, from the first of your produce. The word first of your produce, when you study it, honor the Lord from your wealth from the first means the tenth of your produce so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God gives us a promise. He says, when you honor me with wealth, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to blow your mind. April and Lee are sitting here, been friends of mine for 20 years, Barb and I. But when they started getting on God's plan of, of stewardship and finances, in the last year, in, in the last year and a half, over $40,000 of debt has been eliminated. He bought $35,000 more of new equipment to start a business. And April is sending Barb and I text all the time just giggling of what God's doing. What happened? They started honoring God with their wealth. To her own testimony, she, was, she would tell you, I was afraid to tithe because it didn't make sense on paper. And she said, since we started obeying God, we've been able to tithe. We're living like eating like never before. We paid all 35000 of this, and we've eliminated 40000 of debt because God's economy works. And I want you to know, when you start to honor God with your wealth, you will live a blessed life. Here's another thing. You will avoid unnecessary pain. 
And then this is the truth from Scripture. Paul writing to Timothy, he says, for the love of money, he didn't say money, he said the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it, I got to get more, I got to have more, I got to build more. Some by longing for it have wandered and drifted away from the faith, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. He said, look around you. When people start to chase after more than enough, have you ever seen them drift? When they moved away from simplicity and started living a lifestyle with complexity, he said, watch them. Obtain something that's easy to maintain. In the sports world, when I was ministering to these athletes and they were making $5, $10, 15000000 million a year, a lot of the guys would go out and obtain this incredible lifestyle, 15,000 square foot home and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, an injury would happen or their career would come to an end and the cash flow dried up and they would lose so much. My buddy Kenny Rutgers, who started a ministry called Games Over, he lays out within the first three years of retirement or being kicked out of the game, released from the game, how financial bankruptcy is one of the biggest things that an athlete deals with. Divorce, all this disruption, addiction. Why? Because I obtained something I couldn't maintain. When you start to when you start to chase after what the world says is important, I'm telling you right now, it'll bring a lot of ruins into your life. Don't miss this. Honoring God's plan and honoring God's word, it will allow you to avoid a lot of unnecessary pain. And one of the greatest causes of divorce is financial ruins. And I'm telling you, you see it all around you. And God says, I, I want you to contribute. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be a, a contributing member to the body of Christ. Now, are you generous with your time, with your talents, and with your treasures? That's where God is calling us all to. I want to be a contributing member of the body of Christ that makes a healthy contribution to the whole. Now, some people... Casey, we know this. Some people, uh, they, they don't give because they can't. Because of the ruins and all this stuff that have happened, they're limited right now. But a lot of people that go to church don't give because they won't. And when you start to realize what honoring God in this area does, it opens up the door of trusting God in so many other areas. I promise you it does. When you're able to release money and say, and wealth and say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Everything belongs to him. Can I tell you something? It frees you up because you're not taking anything with you when you die anyway. You know what I'm saying? And so God has called us to say, hey, I want you to live a generous life. I want you to live free. So we have our dollars and cents class that will be starting here in a few weeks. If you're struggling with finances, struggling with budgets, struggling with debt, Struggling with any of this area uh, of, of, of just financial uh, bondage right now in your life, and you're like, I've got to get free, I would highly encourage you to sign up for that class today. When we started uh, honoring God, I mean, 
This happened when I, I got saved. I was taught right away. I went to a Christian conference. This was crazy for me. I came to faith in Christ in 1985. I don't have any real church marinade. I don't have all this church culture in my history. And I go to this conference in 1986, PAO, Professional Athletes Outreach. And, and I get there and they're like, well, Josh McDowell is going to be one of the keynotes. And I'm like, who is he? Oh, my God, the dude was brilliant. They had John Trent and Gary Smalley talking about relationships. I'm like, who are they? They were brilliant. And then they had this guy who was a pioneer when it came to stewardship and financial uh, de development and wisdom for the body of Christ named Larry Burkett. I never heard of him. And Larry Burkett sat down, and he started teaching us at this conference. And I was like, that is so awesome. I've never heard anything like that. I'd only been saved. For about a year, and I'm sitting at this conference going, what he's telling me is the truth. I wrote down all these scripture and said, we're going to honor God with our wealth, and we're going to tithe. And so when Barb and I got married, she was already tithing. I was already tithing. It was a part of honoring God. And it was like, then you need to have a 10-10-80 approach. And I'm like, what's 10-10-80? You, you give the first 10, you save 10, then live on the 80. So we moved to Georgia, and we started looking for a house. And the guy goes, well, how much do you make? And I said, take that number off the table and look at 80% of it. He said, why? I said, because it's 10, 10, 80. We're not playing with that number. We're playing with this number. And so we always obtained something that was easy to maintain. And we never, over 27 years, have put ourselves in a position where we're, where we're in financial ruins or anything. One of the things that helped us is if we can't pay it off, we don't get it. And we've never paid an interest payment on a credit card in 27 years. Is that bragging? That's bragging on Jesus and the word that the principles are true. It's saying that the borrower will always be a slave to the lender. And so I want you to think about that. So we do this thing here, which is crazy. We do this 100-day uh, giving challenge. But, but Malachi 3 says, well, a man robbed God. How are you robbing me? He says, with your tithes and offerings. And then he says, you're cursed with a curse. So people oftentimes come and say, I just want God to bless me. And then I'll say, are you honoring God with your wealth? Are you tithing? And they go, no. Well, he says you're cursed with a curse because you're robbing him. You want him to bless you while you're robbing him? I, you can't do that. And we've combed through that even with our staff and even with our team. You're not going to stand up here and preach anything out of the word of God if you're a thief. If you're robbing God, how can you tell others to trust God maybe in another area of scripture? You can't. How can you stand behind a microphone and sing God is great and God is good when you're robbing him? You don't know that. So Nick and I work together, and I'm like, if people don't tithe, they're not going to be a part of a worship team. How can you lead others in worship when you're not worshiping, you're robbing? And I've had people look and go, well, that's crazy. Crazy? How can you ask God to bless what God said he was going to curse based on truth? You want a thief leading you? No. And, and this is not like hardcore mean. This is just biblical common sense. He goes, hey, if you trust me in this area, see if I will not open up the floodgates and pour out a blessing on you that blows your mind. And when you start doing it, God goes, I'll show you. 
Patrick and Melanie. I remember my, my first introduction and hanging with them. I'm like, this dude is tithing like a champ. Where's he getting money from? I don't. He goes, brother, hey, God told us to be generous. How are you going to live? God will take care of me. And I was like, God always took care of him. And I was like, and, 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 and Jeremy and Amanda, Jeremy and them shared their testimony a few weeks ago about when Jeremy's like, Amanda wanted to obey God. And when he started saying, all right, let's do it. God's been blowing your socks off. And, and he starts moving into living this generous life saying, we're going to be generous. We're going to bless people. And we do this men's event on Tuesday night, our sportsman dinner on Tuesday. We had about 275, 300 people there. We sold out of our tickets. That's all we could accommodate. My buddy David Blanton with Real Tree Outdoors shares his testimony. Phenomenal. 25 men indicated, yes, I'm praying to surrender to Christ tonight. I'm like, that is so cool. And one of them was Jeremy's daddy. And he's seen a change in Jeremy and Amanda. And he's seen a radical difference in his son's life. And he started giving and he started praying and he started believing. So we do this 100-day giving ch uh, challenge here that we really do believe. It's like, what's your part? By God's grace, I'll give 10% over the next 100 days. 10%, I'm talking about the big number, not the lower number after tax. That's what we do. I'll give 10%. What is God's part? God's part is to bless me according to Malachi 3. What is the cross Loganville's part? Twofold. If God doesn't bless you according to what he says, we'll give you your money back. Number two, if you do give and God blesses it, I just want you to know we'll store those resources in a way that glorifies God. That's what we're going to do. And I've had people say, all right, I'm going to do the 100-day the giving challenge. I've never honored God in this area of being a contributing member financially to the body of Christ. Test God. It's one of the only few times in Scripture where God says, Test me in this. T test me. You, the, the thing I want you to hear loud and clear is, oh, you cannot authentically ask God to bless you if you're robbing him. You can't ask God to bless your family if you're robbing him. You are cursed with a curse for robbing me. That principle when it got seared on my heart and mind. So if you ever come over for counsel or something and you're like, God's just not blessed, I'm going to ask you, are you honoring God in this area? Because that's one of the few places where he says, uh, hey, it's not going to work. Because our money reveals a lot about where our hearts are. So, so God brings us to this place of saying, I want to see you converted. We repent, we respond. I want to see you committed. Trust in me with all your heart. I want to see you connected. Do not forsake fellowship with other people. And then he says, I want to see you contributing. He even says, God loves it when a giver gives with a cheerful heart. 2 Corinthians 9, when Rachel was little, our daughter, I remember we had those archetypes and all these other kind of little CDs, and we would go down the road. God loves a cheerful giver. That song would come on, and her little voice would be singing it, and I was like, that's right. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a joyful giver. God loves us 
to live generous lives with a joyful heart. That, that's right. That, 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 that's right. So we believe that a healthy body, listen to me now. We believe that a healthy body inspires and requires all members to make a contributing, I mean, just a big time contribution to what's going on. We believe everybody should be a contributing member if the body's really going to function right. Now, we encourage our partners to live missional lives. We believe God in his sovereignty has placed us in this city among these people in this century for a reason. Do you get me? We believe that God in his sovereignty has placed us here in this city among these people here in Loganville and beyond 2017 in this century here that we're living in for a reason. And the reason is that each and every one of us would live a missional life. I believe God's calling all of us to be missional. I was sharing with a couple of my buddies this morning. Mission trips. Going on a mission trip. Don't, don't, don't. Don't you go on a mission trip. Don't you do it. If you go on the mission trip, you'll come off the mission trip. You live a missional life that includes trips. Then wherever you're at, you're living out a missional life. But if you go on a mission trip, you'll come off the mission trip and you'll just start tripping according to your agenda again. We're not going down to Mexico on a mission trip. We're taking this trip to move down to Mexico to live a missional life because God's called me 24-7, 365 to be missional and intentional. That's what we believe. Ephesians 2.10 says, you're his workmanship. You've been created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. You're his workmanship. The Greek word there means masterpiece. Means one of a kind piece of art. It means this grand poetic piece. You are God's masterpiece, not mass produced. There ain't nobody else like you that God made. And when the Holy Spirit becomes fully alive in us, and we start to live a missional life according to the DNA that God's given us, God goes, I've saved you unto good works that I prepared beforehand that I want you to walk in them. So a story is told about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. And everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. It's our job. Somebody, 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 find me. Hey, you know, God says he redeems all things to himself. 
we had concluded that that song was so corrupt by the artist Freddie Mercury and Queen that we had to redeem it today. We need somebody to love. And God is teeing up people around us to love every day. Am I a contributor or am I a consumer? Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, Jesus says, Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Get the missional statement of Jesus. I've come that you might have life, but I've come to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. I've come to serve. I didn't come to be taken care of. I didn't come to be a consumer. I came to be a contributor. I came to be a difference maker. And so God has called each and every one of us to be givers, to serve, to contribute. Now, here's something I wrote down as I think about myself, as I think about Nick, as I think about our staff. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. This matters to us. This is essential for us. Don't, don't, don't miss this. We realize, we realize that we are accountable to those that we lead. I'm accountable to God, but I'm accountable to you. Because I pastor, I'm not in a higher class than you are. Not one person in this room is in a higher class or a lower class than the other person. We're all members of the body of Christ underneath the headship of Jesus Christ. I'm just a member of the body of Christ. And, and, and I hate to burst your bubble but I'm just a sheep in shepherd's cloth and I'm just a sheep like you are. God's clothed me and appointed me and anointed me to proclaim the gospel and the good news, but I'm just a sheep like you are. I will be judged with a much stricter judgment. I get qualifications and responsibilities of pastor and elder, but I realize this, when I look at you, I'm accountable to the people I lead. I'm not above you, I'm with you. Here's another thing I realize. We believe that based on the teachings of Yeshua, Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, we believe that we're to put the needs of others first. What do you need? We believe that it is time for the body of Christ to stop promoting their own personal agenda and become servants and foot washers like Jesus Christ our King and to say we're here to give our lives away. It's not a dog and pony show. It's not how cool is the lights, how cool is the sound, do you have smoke and mirrors. It's all about us being the body of Christ that serve relentlessly and faithfully to the King. That's what God is calling each of us to do, to live generous lives. Here's what we believe. We believe that we're here to help others grow to the maximum of their potential. Here's how we do it. David Blanton, when he shared his testimony the other night, David goes, I'll never forget the first time I ever shared my testimony. He said, I came over to Social Circle down that way where you and Jeff Foxworthy were doing that thing. And I said, I remember. He said, but the first time I ever shared was weeks later, months later down in Columbus. There were about 5,000 at this wild game dinner. And I shared about a five-minute word and Jeff then shared and then you closed it out. I'll never forget where I got started at. 
And I sat there and listened to Blanton the other night, and I'm like, amazing over the last 18 years what God has done in his life. But this is the way you mentor. This is the way you disciple. This is the way you do life. I will do it. I'm going to do it, but you're going with me. Come on. So you always take somebody else with you. Barb knows I always took my boys with me on trips. Come on, come on. I'm going, but you're going with me. Ben, I'm going, but you're going to sit here and watch and you're going to take notes. You're going to take notes. Now, uh, you're going to do it, but I'm going to go with you and be with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you're going to go do it. Now, you're going to go do it and take somebody with you. You see the progression? I'm going to go do it, but you're going with me. Now, I'm I'm going to do this again. I'm going to go teach, and I'm going to hang out with this group, but you're going to take notes while we're there, and we are going to talk about this. Now, the next time we go out, you're going to do it, but I'm going to be right there with you. Now, you're going to go on out there and do it. Take somebody with you. Then you make them take notes and watch. And then you say, you're, no, no, you're, you're going to go do this, and I'm going to go do it somewhere else. When I was emceeing and leading that FCA Peach Bowl breakfast every year, Sid Calloway and Dickie Clark, who were with uh, FCA, I remember I was going down speaking. I was bringing in these athletic figures and all this stuff. And then Ernie Johnson Jr. came to faith in Christ in 1997. And EJ starts getting fired up. And I'm like, it's time for him to do it. He wasn't sharing his testimony at any events yet. I mean, he was still just starting to walk and grow in his relationship with Christ. And Sid Calloway called and said, hey, are you, uh, are, are you still game for the uh, breakfast this year? And I said, I'm coming, but I'm not going to do it. He's like, well, who's going to do it? I said, just trust me. I'm coming, but I'm not going to do it. And I took Ernie with me, and I told Ernie about the breakfast and kind of the dynamics of it. And then I told Sid, Ernie's going to lead it, but I'm going to be there with him. And Ernie led it like a champ. He's so much better than I am anyway with that kind of stuff. And the next year, the phone didn't ring asking me if I'd come do it. But I found another place that I felt like God was calling me to, and I'm going to go do it. But once we get it up and rolling, you find somebody else that can do it that, now you go train your world. Contributors, not consumers. Givers, not takers. John 13, I wrap it. Jesus poured water in a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet with a towel which was girded around him. And he said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. For so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If I wash your feet, you ought to wash other people's feet. I gave you an example that you should do as I did. I gave you as an, as an example what you should do as well. You're blessed if you do it. You're blessed if you go out and serve. You're blessed if you give your life away. You're you're blessed if you do it. When you know who you are, you have nothing to prove and nothing to lose. I'll wrap you with 
some vision thoughts I wrote down this week. I believe that the church is to be active and highly involved in bringing about life change in our world. I do not believe that the government is God's blueprint to meet the needs of the world today. I believe the church is. I have a vision for our church here at the Cross Loganville, a, a vision for a church that loves others with no strings attached. I have a vision for people who serve more than being served. I have a vision for a church that gives more than it receives. I have a vision for our people that we're so overwhelmed with the love of God that we love people right where they are, but then we love them too much to let them stay where they are. We introduce them to Jesus who heals and forgives and loves unconditionally. I have a, vi a vision for our people that every single person at the cross Loganville sees themselves as an active member of the body of Christ. That no one comes and just consumes, but we all recognize that we're his church, we have gifts, we have a calling, and after all that God has done for me, I refuse to sit silent as a consumer any longer. I have a vision that our people not only serve in the church, but serve as the church as they walk into this twisted and chaotic world in which we live. I want our community to know that the Cross Loganville is making a difference in people's lives. And even if they don't believe in Jesus, they would still be astonished at what's happening in your lives. I have a vision for our church. I believe that God has not called us to be consumers, self-centered takers. But I believe that God has called us to be spiritual contributors. I believe that we are the church, and I believe that we exist to glorify God and to make him known in Loganville and beyond. There's a ton of ways to get involved. There's a ton of ways to serve. Give your life away. You can't take it with you anyway. Thank you for joining us for the teaching here at the Cross Loganville. Let me encourage you to access our website thecrossloganville.org. Tons of information. Uh, we'll answer many of your questions. Contact us via email, info at thecrossloganville.org, or you can call us at 770-554-3322. God bless you. Make it a great day.